What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast presented by House Enterprise. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, just your neighborly normal guy with a lazy eye here chatting with incredible people who have incredible stories to tell. Today's guest is a gem of a person. Tim Chisano is on today's podcast. He's an Emmy Award-winning executive VP of Creative and Production Services over at Spectrum and a very avid TikTok content creator. I discovered him as I have discovered many uh, beautiful, wonderfully talented content creators on my For You page. And I just kind of admired this guy's work ethic beyond just being, you know, like waking up at the 4 a.m. and all that type of stuff. He just seems like a very down to earth type of person. And that was definitely the case in this interview we talked about all things you know boston he's a new yorker came and visited the best city in the world in boston while his wife ran the boston marathon a couple of weeks ago we talked about what it takes as a manager of people to manage people successfully in today's world obviously with the changes to hybrid workforces to the great resignations, to people leaving for better jobs, better opportunities, or what they think might be better jobs and better opportunities, and then later finding out, you know, sometimes it was all talk. I think you'll find a very common thread in this, and it's a very simple uh, concept to grasp in that if you can get people to say at the dinner table, at the meal that they have following their job, that today was a good day, you're doing something right. And I hope that's what you can gain from this interview with Tim. It was an unbelievable conversation, one that just kind of flowed, whether it was the things we talked about, the important stuff, or the wonderful conversations we had about protein bars and cereal. Either way, I'm guaranteeing that you're going to enjoy this interview. So without further ado, please enjoy Tim Chiasano. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. Well, everyone, on this week's episode, we have an incredible guest. Emmy Award-winning executive Tim uh, Chisano is the VP of Production and Creative Services at Spectrum Reach. Tim has also found quite the TikTok following based on his creativity and corporate ninja skills. He joins us today to tell us all about his story and his journey. Tim, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are you? I'm excellent. It is a pleasure to be here. I was flattered by the offer and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, that's where I wanted to start. First off, like you had by far the funniest response to when I asked you to come on the show, or at least like the most creative. And by creative, it was just a four second video of you saying, sounds good, let's do it. And then you DM me your email. But I just remember I was in bed at around 4.30 in the morning and I got a buzz on my phone. And like, it was an Instagram notification that popped up and you know how it just says like notification. Yep. And I was like, this has to be him because I know you're up and no one else is sliding into my DMs at 4.30 you know, in, in the morning on Instagram. So I was like, I think Tim's going to come on. And right away, there you were. It was like, it was perfect. It was awesome. <laughs> well, that's uh, it's my preferred method for responding to DMs. I just, I, I try to legitimately maximize every hour, every minute that I can. Mm-hmm. And in a random way, that's more efficient for me to just do video in return, especially on Instagram DMs. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe there's somebody that's listening that's received one of these as well. I always feel <laughs> a bit bad or awkward afterwards because it's I'm literally walking down the street in somewhat, right. you know, pitch black, depending on what time <laughs> of year it is. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of blabbering on half the time. I'm like, I'm still I'm definitely awake at that point. But Lord only knows what's coming out of my mouth. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, it just seemed like the most uh, effective and efficient way. And as soon as I saw uh, the request and, you know, did a very quick, uh, you know, look into what I might be signing myself up for, I was like, <laughs> absolutely. This sounds like a ton of fun. I'm, I'm totally down. Awesome. I mean, I, you bring up such a good point because as you were saying that, I'm such more like if, you know, one of my colleagues needs help with something or someone like two people are like you know you me and someone else are trying to figure out something I'm always just like let's just get on the phone and talk about it or hop on a zoom call or a team's call because like 
going back and forth on email is literally the worst thing ever for me. <laughs> I mean, it's part, it's part of the reason why I spend usually honestly between six to eight hours in meetings every day. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that sounds terrible. I'm like, well, it's conversation. Right. Right. Like it's, you know, if you, if you handle them the right way, that can be 10 times more effective than sitting there, you know, banging out email. And especially if I can be useful to other people during that time, I would much rather say, hey, let's, you know, squeeze 15 minutes in wherever we can. It sounds a little maniacal at face value, but you're a thousand percent right. Like it can be so much more effective as long as you're kind of managing it appropriately. And it's not just mm -hmm. like, hey, cool, good to see you. And then you forget <laughs> what the hell you talked about, but uh, you, you do it the right way. And, you know, especially on with the phone, like I can't, I'll bring my laptop with me everywhere because I do not mm -hmm. like trying to type with my thumbs. Mm -hmm. So at some point I kind of gave up on caring as to how awkward it may or may not be if I'm, if I'm responding to people just with video. And I can tell it's definitely not landed super well a couple of times where it's like, oh, I sent these videos like three weeks ago and they're still sitting there uh, unwatched. So mm -hmm. I know it's not everybody's jam, but um, it's kind of cool to see who then responds with video or who responds with text. And, you know, for anybody that's, uh, that's reached out, I try to try to do my best to get back, but yeah, you're probably going to get a weird video from me <laughs> somewhere between four and five 30 in the morning. I love it. And like for the people that always say, you know, that like the, the classic saying like this meeting could have been an email. I'm almost like, I'm almost glad it's not so that I don't have to read a 10 page email. And if we have to talk about something for an hour, that maybe could have been covered in an email. I'd rather do that, especially in today's world where like human interaction has been so limited, whether it is on Zoom or even if you are back in the office, like I'm all for it, you know? Yeah. That's that's just a personal preference. I don't know if you feel the same way, but. I feel the exact same way, especially because email is, it should be looked at as a specific tool for specific usage. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest skill set gaps that I see is the lack of ability to really command it the proper way. And what I mean by that is, can it be super direct? Can right. it be actionable? And is it clear as to who it's actually directed towards and who is responsible for whatever happens next? Uh, my boss is a super, super smart dude. And he planted the seed in my head after, you know, and I was, had already kind of thought along these lines, but he said it in a way that I thought was really simple and smart, which was, you should always look to have an email be concluded, like an email chain conclude within two or three emails. Mm. If, you, if you start a longer chain, there's a chance that you just pick the wrong communication vessel. Yeah. So now I'm, I try to be like incredibly explicit with mine to, you know, probably a jarring degree. I try to, you know, inject a little bit of personality into it so people don't feel like it is so work specific all the time that there's just absolutely no personality behind it. Mm. But if you, you know, the tighter that you can get with that, basically, if you can leave it down to a yes or no answer on the other side, then, you know, you've probably used the tool effectively. Yeah, you've completed the task. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I wanted to start today's interview to ask you a little bit, you know, this is a Boston's uh, home-based podcast. You were recently here for a big event that we typically do in April. That was a special occasion in October. Your wife, who literally just came off the London Marathon mm -hmm. a week prior, ran the Boston Marathon in a very impressive 330 but you had some, some big love affair of Boston. So I wanted to ask you, how was your time here in the best city in the world? Because I know, <laughs> I know you're in New York, but I just, I'm just going to throw that out there. You knew I came with my Boston hat. I was ready yep. for this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 can, I can definitely appreciate that. It's, it is, you can tell very quickly that it's a really special place. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean that sincerely. And as you said, as a you know, almost lifelong New Yorker, all but you know, the first eight years of my life have, for the most part, been spent here minus a couple of, you know, chunks of time, either for school or, you know, other random stuff. But of my yeah. 44 years, I've spent at least 30 plus of them here in New York. And, you know, Boston, Boston is definitely special. Like you can feel so many different elements of the history. You can get a true sense of its character even down to like the random nuances of the public transportation. Like I've, I've, when I travel, I love experiencing other cities, public transportation. 
right. and I thought it was great. Like the quirkiness of some of the subway cars, just how like random the map seemed to be as far as like where the lines were. Um, the food was fantastic. We have friends in Boston, so that certainly helped too, that we had like a direct connection. The ability to go over to Charleston was mm. sensational. Like what a cool little neighborhood. That was like, you know, Brooklyn, but, you know, almost storybook like based off of the wooden houses and like how quirky the streets were in the hills um you know and then i the fact that i got to go to game three of the alds yes. was unbelievable i'm sure that there's you know many red sox fans out there and i've saw it in my comments that were like i cannot believe you left that game early but <laughs> My wife was running the marathon the next morning. Right. Obviously, I had no idea where the game was going. We had kind of made a plan going into it where I was like, yo, I really want to go to Fenway. They're going to be in town this night. So that obvious conversation of like, are you cool with me booking this? If right. I drag you to Fenway Park the night before, you're going to run the marathon a week after you run London. <laughs> Luckily, she's down. We've kind of have a tr bit of a tradition of that of like, yeah. if we travel for her marathons, can we find some sort of sporting event to go to? And staying in the hotel across the street from Fenway and that entire experience of hearing and seeing the eruption from the crowd, like as the game came to a conclusion was nuts. So like mm -hmm. the whole thing, just, it felt really good. I'm trying to be more um, appreciative. I think I've always done a pretty decent job of this, but like, it just, it doesn't make any sense in my humble opinion to, get so stuck in a, Hey, this is the best place. Like I'm, you know, have my very specific feelings and, you know, a forever love affair with New York city, right. but that doesn't mean that there aren't other dope places in the world. And yeah, man, Boston, Boston was a lot of fun. And I'm, and I, and I despised the Yankees. So like okay. Oh, okay. immediately, oh, immediately felt at home. Like I actually rocked a, a Red Sox cap for a good amount of my teenage years. Okay. just to piss off my Yankee uh, fan friends. So yeah. if I wasn't wearing a Mets hat, I was wearing, and I was wearing a baseball hat, there were really only two hats that I would wear. And that was Mets and socks. And mm -hmm. that was, especially during that rip of time during like the 2000s, yeah. late, like mid nineties to like 2000, whatever, when they just had a ridiculous amount of championships in a row mm -hmm. that I took pleasure in, you know, and especially because a lot of my family, uh, with the exception of my dad, our Yankee fan. So anytime I could be like, I'm based, I'm not a Yankee fan. In fact, I will root against you because it's kind of boring when you win all the time. And, <laughs> you know, let me, uh, let, let, let me go for that team. That's got the really quirky little stadium that I hope to go to one day. And all that came to fruition a couple of weeks ago. I love it. I love it. I was actually at the game last night. It was a, it was a bad performance on the, on the Sox part, but it, there's nothing cooler than being in Fenway in October. It's one of the smallest stadiums in all of major sports, but probably the, that 37,000 gets louder than arguably. And I'm an, I'm, I'm an LA native originally grew up in Southern California. I do think Fenway gets louder than Dodger stadium 10 times out of 10. I, it's just, it's, it's just how it is. I don't know what it is. It's just how, it, I don't know if it's acoustics of the stadium. It's just how it is. I, I I bet the combination of acoustics and with all due respect to LA, I could I could totally see the uh, the adamant nature of the Bostonian, if that's a proper term. Yes, uh, correct. Probably a bit more vocal than the, you know, with all due respect to the first fifty rows at uh, Dodger Stadium. But I'm not casting aspersions; just you know, making guesses. Right. I love it. I love it. So uh, you are one busy man. There's no question about that. And I want to use today to, to talk about everything that you have done, but every story has a beginning. So I want to start at your beginning. Uh, you were born in Chicago. Your father, Tom, uh, was a radio executive who worked along the likes of Howard Stern and many others. Avid hockey player, golfer. What was Tim like growing up as a kid? How did, how did Tim kind of start to where now Tim is today? I'm glad you asked that because I've actually been trying to figure out a way to explain this via TikTok. I am the kid who I, I leaned on, I literally leaned on being nice all the time because I was just mm -hmm. somewhat afraid of, um, I was afraid of not being liked and I never felt like I had 
enough courage or was good enough at anything in particular where I, where I didn't need to have kind of just being nice to everybody is like my first and foremost, you know, tool in the tool belt. I was also like the, the scene that keeps popping up in my head. And I'm sure that this happened specifically at some point, I can't like think of a, an exact story, but I would be the kid that would like run into the party with something cool and be so excited about it that I'd be like, Hey guys, look what I just got. And I would like trip as I fall in. Right. And then I break the thing or like I fall right. in the cake. Like that was, that, yeah. was, that was kind of who I was like, I was, I was a chubby middle schooler. I, you know, had a decent, you know, mediocre hockey high school career. I've got some decent hockey stories just based off of playing juniors in Canada for, for a minute. But I was, I was just kind of a goofy guy who um, just wanted to be friendly with other people. And like, I could get along with basically all walks of, you know, the various kids in high school and but like I was never exceptional at anything by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I was a very much a C student, um, you know, C plus at best. School just never really clicked with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even at times where I was really excited to share something and I feel like that still comes across where I made this goof in uh, a post about my sneaker collection where like I always mix up the fives and the sixes. And part of that is in my head, I think that there is a more distinct or looks more appropriate if you lined up threes, fours, fives, sixes, sevens, that you swap the fives and the sixes. And that actually kind of looks like a more reasonable, like pat, like trajectory for the design. But that's kind of like a high level excuse because it is what it is. Right. Right. But that's, that's me running and excited and then like tripping over whatever and being like, Hey guys, check out this, but, and then just like fumbling it at the end. Like I was just, that was, that was me as a kid. So it's kind of funny to be here now in a position where, especially through social media, some of the feedback that I'll get at times is um, like, I'll see the word pretentious pop up at times or, you know, being full of myself. I'm just excited to share stuff Mm. like legitimately. And I think I'm so I don't know if the, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but like comfortable with my own flaws that I, I genuinely I'm not better than any other human being in the world. And like, I'm just I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like sharing as much as I can is not like showing off in any way. It's just I want to invite you into my world and I want to have conversations about all the details within it because I like that connection and I like feeling as though the things that I've experienced and the things that I like are topics that would be fun to talk about with people. And that that's a, you know, and while I understand that, you know, all the key elements of just being a good citizen of the world, you Mm -hmm. know, listening is more important than talking, um, having respect for other people, all that kind of good stuff. And so it's been, it's been kind of fascinating in the space now with what I said about my childhood in mind that, um, I do, and I'm, I'm trying to get more and more comfortable with it because I actually, I'm, I'm quite uncomfortable with the whole thing at large, but trying to get more comfortable with the fact that if perhaps I don't try to be too specific or have like a specific tone in any certain direction, like it's okay to share more. Like in that post that I said that I, um, that I messed up and I've done this a couple of times actually, because I literally do in my head, like see the fives and the sixes is, you know, yeah, needing to be swapped in the uh, in the lineage <laughs> of the shoe line, right? But in that same post, like I I noted that like these are my shoes. The, my shoes are in my basement. In my basement are also my tool chest and this ridiculous jacket collection that I have. And there are a lot of people who are like, "Yo, show us the jackets." And there's a part of me that's like, "Yo, come to my basement and like let's geek out on the jackets." But then there's a part of me that's like, "I'm gonna feel like such a shit to be standing there and being like, look at all of these jackets that I have." Mm-hmm. Especially because I'm, I'm so conscious of, I'm very conscious of the world at large on a consistent basis. Literally in the shadows of where we're having the conversation now is the world's tallest residential building. And yet I know within those shadows and between me and there are people that don't have homes. Right. Yes. And I see the, you know, this is, this is the, 
that that is the juxtaposition that is New York City, right? Right. So, yeah. in a on a day in and day out basis, having like all of those awareness variables sometimes makes it feel awkward to have certain conversations in certain context. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working through that to a certain extent because I do want to have those fun conversations, but it's like, can I like peel out the people that are just curious about that thing and like bring them into my basement and have like a quick party with them and be like, yo, let's geek out on these things. Cause these are fun conversations. Um, but at the same time, like trying to, you know, balance that self-awareness with the self-deprecation with the desire to just make content about fun stuff. Like I'm literally sitting on a post now of coming back from London we had a bit of extra time before we got on the flight due to a, you know, uh, waiting for like a COVID test to come back. So our flight got pushed back. Right. And so we went to do, we went to the duty free shops, not necessarily intentionally just walking past it. And I'm like, ran out of cologne. I could use some more cologne. Like why not get it here? It's cheap. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, and I get sucked into a conversation with the dude about whiskey and he's like, yo, we got to get this Bush mills. It's crazy. And I'm like, I'm, I, like sh- you kind of, and like, it was one of those words, like I'm getting so hard, hard sold. And I suck at not at saying no in those situations sometimes. Yeah. So like all of a sudden I got two bottles of Bushmills and then I bought this cologne. That's just like my go-to. And then my wife turned around to get something else. And I'm like, I kind of like this other one too, but she's going to think I'm weird if I get this. So I tried to buy it real quick when she was looking the other way. And then we stopped at like a snack shop. And I got back and I'm like, this is the most random bag of crap that we just brought back. It's like whiskey and cologne, which makes sense from a duty-free perspective. And then I had like prawn cocktail crisps and a a charger converter, which makes no sense considering we were leaving the country. I think in my head, I was like, (laughs) yo, if we get stuck in the airport, I like, I need my laptop. So like, I should have this just in case. Yeah. Um, And so when we got back, I'm like, yo, before we unpack, like, I just want to put the phone over there and I'm just going to walk up and kind of do this like easy thing that I know would be an easy way. And I was sat on it for like three weeks. So it's like somewhat out of time sequence, which really doesn't matter on TikTok. Right. But I sit there and I'm like, I don't, I want, I want to post this because it's just like fun. And it's like, you know, but at the same time, and I literally have said in a, and this is sitting in a voiceover that I haven't posted yet. I'm like, can we be clear about something? This is not a flex. Like, this is just, <laughs> this is just a, this is just a weird stranger on the internet showing you random shit that got bought at the duty-free store yeah Um, but like that's a that's a those are like weird internal battles that i struggle with and last thing i'll say before i be quiet is (laughs) what you're with what you're witnessing right now is why i say that i suck at tiktok because like a three minute timeline right (laughs) something in is difficult for me so yeah. I feel like I feel so bad because I know that there's literally at this point, tens of thousands of questions that I'm like, I have a good answer for this. Like I can mm-hmm. probably help out on these topics, but it's like, how do I compound that into whatever? So mm-hmm. that's when people slide into my Instagram DMs, they could get like 15 minutes of video back from me where I'm like, yo, so if you're looking to talk to your boss about a promotion, like, let me walk you through blah, 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 blah. And that could yeah. be like half of my walk around in the morning. So anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm long-winded by nature. And I think that this all started with a question about my childhood. You're, you're absolutely correct. I wanted to touch on something that, that you, the kind of an overarching theme you had in that response. So it's, you know, like you get the one comment that says, mm, this seems pretty pretentious. Or I was seeing one that was like, uh, you, you know, you're showing us your work on Sunday, what you do on a Sunday to just be ready for the week. And yep. the first, I think the top comment is, this is just working on a Sunday. Yep. And I was like, and I agreed with your response. It's like, yes, but, you know, and then you went on to kind of explain it a little bit. That's how I kind of felt with a starting this podcast. But even then I started to branch out beyond this podcast and on my, you know, my own Instagram, I'm, I'm, I started in January. I wanted to run a thousand miles. That was my new year's resolution. Wow. I didn't know why I wanted to run it. I don't know what, like why, what possessed me to do that as an ex swimmer. I was like, you know, I don't know anything about running. So that's what I wanted to do. Then come the end of January, I was like, well, what if I did like a story a month of my progress and who's going to give a crap, but like, at least I have this like cool little story highlight on my Instagram of what it'll look like. And Mm -hmm. then it led to, you know, March, April, May doing all those updates. 
And then the athlete in me was like, what are you running a thousand miles for? Like, what's the, like, who cares? And like for you, who cares? But so that's when in, in June, I was like, okay, I'm going to sign up for a marathon. So I'm doing my first marathon in next Sunday. So, it, but then it was like, more and more people were like, I love these updates or I love this. And like, you're so like this, that, and like brands will reach out. And I was like, this is not what I expected, but the only things that I remember and probably I will remember when we look back from a year from now and watch my thousand miles is like the 10 or 12 people that were like, no one cares. Yeah. And that's what sucks about social media period. You know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was actually, I was literally working on something in this ballpark from a post perspective, because some, some of that is some of that is just reflecting on the negative versus the positive, right? Some of that is also a little bit of what they call the imposter syndrome. And mm. you see a comment along those lines and you're like, oh, that's right. Do I have a right to say these things? Like, should anybody care? And it starts to drown out the other things. So even if you don't necessarily see the imbalance of positivity versus negativity, or it's like you're so focused on that thing, it, it's as though it gets into the wormhole of imposter syndrome. And then you start yeah. to question, at least for me, I start to question, that's right. Like, why am I doing these things? And I almost feel like this knee jerk reaction to be like, yo, if you, especially about work stuff, you were more than welcome to look me up on LinkedIn and then you can judge <laughs> me based off of these things. Like I'm right. super comfortable in that, in that space. Right. And I, I know, honestly, I would like to do a better job of that because I feel like if the more comfortable I can become with those those things, the more helpful that I can be to others, especially kind of based off of when I'm able to have more long-winded conversations where I can see that it's been helpful, especially some of the, the stuff that I've seen during my career that, you know, again, if you've seen my uh, LinkedIn resume, not necessarily just accomplishments, but just random circumstances that I've been exposed to that have given me just a, like a ridiculous amount of experience in a short period of time. Mm. But in regards to like the negative or those things that kind of stick out in our brains that we wish wouldn't, the way I'm, I'm going to try to look at these things now moving forward is, and this specific to imposter syndrome is, allow myself a quick true gut check, right? We are, we are all inherently flawed. And as I said earlier, I know that there is, and this was a line that I was using a lot, but I don't think it really resonated. So I stopped saying it but I firmly believe it. I think the most succinct way for me to explain to the world or whomever is watching that kind of balance is there is nothing special about me except for you because you're the one that's seeing whatever it is that I'm sharing in a specific way that might be meaning something. Right. So I'm basically irrelevant, right? You know, perception is reality doesn't matter what you say, it's what they hear, like those types of things, like that is basically social media, right? Yeah. So being more comfortable with that, and it's actually the number one, like the first thing, if you go to my page, the first thing that I have pinned post-wise is not even something that's performed super, super well. It's me saying, I would need to be clear about something because I had a couple of times where I was ready to pull the ripcord and literally just delete my account and walk away not necessarily because of the negative comments, but just because I felt like I had hit a wall. Like I'm not comfortable saying being that much more open and trying to share that much more. Yeah. Somewhat because of the imposter syndrome of, or because I'm like, I don't want people to think that this is pretentious. So if people think this is pretentious, then I'm out. And so the number one thing that you would see on my page is a post of me, like, it's just like my hands with paperwork. And I'm saying, I have to be incredibly clear about the fact that anything that I can do, you can do better mm -hmm. based off of the fact that I was not a very good student based on the fact that I still say I'm a dumbass at heart, but I, you know, I've, I've, I've still done what I have done. You can find it special. You can find it not special, but I would rather be like more transparent. I would rather let all of my weirdness and my awkwardness truly come to the surface just because I think that as people, we somewhat, you know, that kind of age old saying of we deserve to be the most true form of ourselves. And I believe it. And if I can't do that myself, then it's tough for me to tell others to do that. And I still am figuring that out. And, you know, that, that just like ability to clear the table and 
have a direct conversation and understand, you know, and it's also too, like there's some trigger words, like the, the person that said, you're just working on a Sunday. I could write a thesis about that perspective and that perception. Mm-hmm. And that will take me down a very long winded wormhole of for those that complain about corporate America, those that complain about nine to five and that lifestyle, they're the ones that are exacerbating it. They're not the ones that are like, Hey man, that's not for me. Like, that's cool, but you're going to make it worse by not participating. People think that my work ethic is a behavior of acceptance. It's actually a behavior of rebellion because I want to have, because I want to do the work and get ahead of things so that I can help rebalance things. You can't have an impact on how people are compensated. You can't have an impact on hiring process. You can't have an impact on company culture things if you're not doing the work. And sometimes you need to do the work to get to the work dessert, as I call it sometimes, so that you can rewrite company beliefs, so that you can rewrite policy, that you can have an influence. And especially at a younger age to be able to do that at large corporations, that shit is not easy. And if you don't have everything buttoned up to the nth degree, you are not going to be able to walk into large meetings and have impact and persuasion with the people that would ultimately help you change things or that you can change them yourself. So what I just said to you is something that I've been dying to say, and I almost wish I had my phone on recording this right now for myself to be, because I think that that's as succinct as I've put it, but like by saying, no way, man, I'm what you are exacerbating a system that you think is imbalanced. Do you, right. do you let, if there's a robot running wild, you know, that's doing mass destruction and you don't have the right tools as an individual to stop it. What do you do? You got to get inside the thing yeah, and, and find where the off switch is. Right. So, so my maniacal work ethic to a certain extent is based off of like, I want to be in the machine at this point, like from what I've seen and what I understand is possible. I would rather be in the machine and be a part of how things could potentially change some asshole is going to have this job. Some asshole is going to do those things. So why not? So why not me? So that, that's my answer to the to the work question. What's up, everybody? Just want to take a quick break from this week's interview to talk a little bit about this month's sponsorship, and that is Good Filling. Now, I always love working with my favorite Boston brands, and Good Filling is definitely one of my new ones. Now, Good Filling is bringing convenience to the zero waste movement the future isn't necessarily recycling it's refilling now good filling is helping the people of boston reduce waste by offering high quality name brand soaps lotions detergents surface sprays and more plus a discounted refill once you are out they just brought me over an all-purpose spray for cleaning surfaces some very needed hand sanitizer. I feel like everyone needs a good hand sanitizer in and around wherever they are, whether it's their apartment or their car, what have you, and some good old trusty hand soap. I feel like we run out of hand soap in my apartment all the time. And also too, it came in this beautiful produce bag that I definitely need to go to the grocery store more often because I need to stop ordering food on the apps. Anyways, the great thing about them is once you get started, you have to go to go visit goodfilling.com. That's G-O-O-D-F-I-L-L-I-N-G.com or the Good Filling app. Pick out all the things that you want for the cleaning supplies and all the natural home and body products that you need. Once a bottle is empty, all you have to do is swap it out for a discounted refill at one of their 20 different trading post locations around the city of Boston for an easy pickup and drop-off type of deal. It's all great quality stuff. I've been trying it out um, this week, and I'm so excited to have this partnership here. So again, to learn more about Good Filling, head over to goodfilling.com. That's G-O-O-D-F-I-L-L-I-N-G.com. And now back to the interview. You know, for the pretentious piece, honestly, I take that as an opportunity to check on how, how's my inflection, like in some posts too, like I'm very, mm. I'm very monotone, especially when I'm doing a voiceover. I think that I'm like, 
you know, so all over the map. And then my voice is bouncy and I've got this energy and I listen back to it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm frigging drone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I actually, I like, it depends on what it is. And last thing I'll say before I'd be quiet on this question <laughs> is I try to look at anything along those lines as an opportunity for reflection in the moment. There's this old saying of the best response to any feedback is thank you. Yep. And if somebody says, I don't care or who cares, mm -hmm. thank you. You just did something to the algorithm that's going to make this pop up somewhere else too, because you just engaged with the content. So, and even if you're not saying thank you about that, just thank you. I'm going to move yeah. on. <laughs> yep. But exactly. in, some, in some instances, if I can say like, why, why did this come across as pretentious to this one person? And I try to not get too fixated on it because it can, it can eat away at you a bit, mm -hmm. but what, what can I, what could I potentially do differently? Is there anything, but I would yeah. rather, I would rather be self-reflective, even if it's more of a mental burden, so to speak, I'd rather be self-reflective and like truly look for growth opportunities as an individual so that I can stay more grounded. Cause I feel like a big part of what has helped me get to where I am is staying grounded and connected. And the fact that I could walk into a room of first year employees, interns, but also the president's office and have really good conversations in every circumstance and be adaptable that way. And I don't ever want to lose that. I've seen a lot of people that climb the corporate ladder or like do certain things. And then all of a sudden they hit this like weird place where it's like, do you not remember what it was like to be 23 years old and making X yeah. amount of dollars and eating, you know, tuna fish out of a can every night. So can we like make that either a better situation or not treat them a certain way? So, you know, some of it too is how can I, how can I use anything like that? Even if it's like a, you know, jackass comment or things that I'm like, okay, you're just intentionally seeing these, these things these way, or you're just, not giving benefit of the doubt, which I think is a unfortunate way to look at life. Even yeah. in those situations, I try to at least take a, a moment of being like, hmm, let me, let me think about that a little bit. Definitely. And you, you kind of answered a question that I had for later on, just from my background and doing my research on you, Tim, you know, you, you have done so many successful things and there's no question you are very good at a lot of different things. But I think just from a outsider's perspective, looking at your resume, if there's one thing that points out to me, and by no means am I a recruiter or know how to read a resume really well or whatnot, you know, I'm not the type that can do it in 30 seconds or whatnot. But what kept sticking out to me was how well you manage people and how you have put teams together to get the task done or get the task at hand. And whether it's you're managing three people on a sales team for a startup, or in your case, now at Spectrum, managing over 240 employees, I think right now the managers of people have a very difficult task at hand, throwing a wrench in the whole world of everything's online and I don't get to see your body language. I mean, I do now because you actually have a wonderful camera of your entire office, but you know, it's head and shoulders at this point. Yeah. And it's hard to see, okay, well, what is Jared like when he's not on these zoom calls, when he's doing his job, what is he like? You know, what is, how is he doing it? And I think just the way that you answered that question is just showing how I think managers today need to kind of take a broader look back behind the curtain than just, you know, kind of that tunnel vision. A, a thousand percent. I would, I would, this is another topic that I could spend an ungodly <laughs> amount of time talking about. Right. So when I, when I, when I took this job eight years ago, I was thrust into a really awkward position. I didn't, I knew what I was walking into a certain extent, but I didn't know how drastic of a change they were looking to implement so true story they bring me in the thursday before my first day and i'm like cool first executive level job so important they got to bring me in before my first day like i'm just i'm that kind of like dumbass mentality where i'm like oh like these are this is like big stuff like this is gonna right. and and they, they sit me down, they're like, okay, on the, on the second day on your job, we're going to make this announcement about the specifics of what your department is being asked to do and what your role basically is, because my role had not existed before. 
and we're gonna we have this meeting already in the books with the president's second day on your second day on the job so you you should wrap your head around this before you walk in the door on monday so i inherited you know roughly 100 people at the time and in so many words i said you you need to dismantle the entire department and they gave me this business plan which basically said like you've got uh, seven or so months to restructure you know and this meant basically eliminating every position and starting from scratch based off of roles needing to be different than the the most direct way to do that is to have roles no longer exist so that you can put new roles in place and then rehire who needs to be rehired and all you know all those types of elements that go into it and i remember sitting there and i was like i was flabbergasted i did um i'm just like all of a sudden head starts spinning i think i felt dizzy and that first year was pretty terrible i was i felt exposed i felt like a fraud like it was kind of everything i remember you know constantly being miserable so to speak i was doing everything that i could to not have this and a lot of people were like you know when they brought you in here because you're a younger dude because this is does not have a high likelihood of working so when this doesn't work and you get fired at least you're not in a lighter stage of your career and I had people betting against me, like to my face. I had, I was in the washroom at sales meetings when people before Zoom and all that kind of stuff that people just hadn't met me in person yet. They were literally like, you know, so who's this jackass and what the hell does he think he's doing with this plan? Mm-hmm. A, not entirely my plan, not that that was a reason to punt, but B, literally saying this, like I'm washing my hands and I'm hearing this conversation true story before I go on stage to give a presentation about what's going to happen. So to say that I was, I was, you know, served humble pie out of the gate, I think is a reasonable way to state it. Yeah. And I went the other way where I felt like I had to have the answer to every single question that was out there because people were scared. The business teams were nervous about the impact of the business and it was just going to be one hot mess of a problem until the whole thing was solved and we were kind of back on our feet. Oh, and by the way, we're doing like 10 to 15,000 projects on an annual basis at the time. And it's not like you could turn the machine off and then restart it when you were ready. You mm-hmm. basically had to keep everything going. You know, the proverbial, you know, um, corporate analogy of changing the engine of the airplane as you're flying. Yeah. And that and especially because of my age and especially because of the fact that there were a lot of people that were older than me with more experience that were now working for me and had to basically go with this direction the humility like if i if i didn't have the level of humility and self-doubt that i did i don't think that i'd be standing here now talking to you and to your point like managers today i feel like you do need to be so cognizant of the fact that there's people on the other side of the screen, on the other side of the email, on the other side of the phone call. The number one seed that I would plant for anybody that's listening that's either in a managerial role or has aspirations to be in a managerial role or just wants to run a good business in general is this. At the end of the day, people go home or they go back somewhere. They're going to have a meal. In most cases, they're probably going to have a meal with family, loved ones, partners, friends, whatever. And even if they're having a meal by themselves, there is going to be a thought or question put on the table or in that person's head as to how was your day, right? Probably the most, one of the most asked questions in the history of modern society. Yeah. If you can put the people on your team in a position where more often than not, they can say, today was a good day, then you're doing a good job. If you can keep that in mind as you make specific business decisions, as you plan things, as you think about the impact behind whatever you may ask for somebody in whatever tone you may be asking for it in. If you can keep in mind, and especially the fact, and this is daunting for managers, but you put, you know, it's like the the cliche that Rod, the dude from TikTok, like kept using of like, 
oh my god he only used one exclamation point and not you know three or something you know, and i'm fired yeah <laughs> but, but look man, managers to a certain extent they they need to be cognizant of that stuff you know regardless of who it is if they are aware of how their tone and approach can have such an impact mm-hmm. it's it's can be exhausting because you feel like you need to be so unflappable that especially with a large team yeah. that you're you lose the ability to have your own sense of today was difficult i don't i don't you know i don't feel like this conversation right now but that's the privilege of doing these types of jobs and it truly is a privilege and and the just that in of itself hey would you like to have a job where people where you have the potential to send to have people go home at the end of the day and be like today was a good day hell yeah that's purpose i don't give i don't care what you do what industry you're in that is that is purpose right there you can set other people up to be successful to say that they had a good day i'm sold right (laughs) the rest of it could just be whatever business it is as long as it's not something you know completely maniacal or illegal like if that's if that's your role in this world to set other people up to be successful and have good days i'm i'm cool with that i love it i love it and now with your tiktok right you're kind of having that ability to go from being a manager of people and kind of now going back to be able to be a little bit more on your creative side. So I wanted to, to touch on a little thing about your TikToks a couple bit for a minute. You know, every time that you create a video, for the most part, you have, you know, to me, it feels like a movie. And I love that you, you said that you're so monotone because when I watch your videos, I almost get like a calming sense where it's like, you know, like, Tim, like this guy's got a team of 240, like Spectrum's a Fortune 100 company. Like, and here he is, he's like in a tank top on a Sunday walk in the middle of August. And he's, I'm like, all right. I mean, if he could do it, anyone can do it. But so you, you kind of have like, what's the overarching theme that you're trying to go for here with your content? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I love really, that answer. I, I really, I really don't like it started if like my, my, my first, handful of posts my very first one because you always remember you know especially for a platform like tiktok like i remember my first instagram post i remember first tiktok post yeah we use facebook so i have no idea (laughs) very first one was just learning the tool so it was like me and my wife and my daughter went to an art exhibit called beyond the streets like a super cool um you know like celebration of street art and the history of graffiti and mixed media and its influence on pop culture. And it was just like kind of perfect Instagrammable for lack of a better description type of, yeah. and I just like took a whole bunch of shots. I'm like, wonder what this filter does, blah, blah, blah. Put a Jay-Z song to it. The Jay-Z song got removed. So you watch it now and there's, <laughs> there's no music. So it, it's almost nonsensical. Next one was like a weird interview with myself. Like I was trying out for TikTok. Um, and the timing is not all that great. And you can tell it's like, yeah, this is definitely the dude's like, you know, first or second attempt to using this thing. And then the next 15 are protein bar reviews in my wife's basement. Cause that's actually where I was leaning on content wise for a while. Cause I ate a protein bar. I like trying as many different protein bars as humanly possible. Okay. If not, I, 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 I hoard content. I literally do. So look here, I'll give you a very specific example. So first of all, here's a, here's a fishbowl, the Supreme fishbowl filled yeah. with protein bars. Okay. okay. They're all different. There are some really random things here. They're from all kinds of different countries too. I subscribe to a protein bar of the month club that comes from the UK and I just love it. It's like, it's my inner fat kid because like I said, <laughs> I, was, I was super, I was super chunky in, in middle school. And yeah. then I, when I like in second year of college or I guess even before then I, I used to be like 60 pounds heavier. So I definitely have an inner fat kid that just wants to eat. So the protein bar is perfect. Cause it's basically a candy bar. And mm-hmm. like, I've always been one of those people to be like, Oh yeah, it's totally good. Like even when protein bars were terrible, I was just like, they used to be it's, so like bad. It's, not, it's not terrible for me. So it's going to be good. Yeah. So from here is one, this is a, this is a protein donut that I took a bite of probably six to eight weeks ago. I taped it up and put it back in my drawer. And there's some part of me that's still like, at some point I'm going to do a review of this. So if I, if I, 
if I ate the whole thing, then the content opportunity is gone. gone this thing right. is hard as a rock now. <laughs> I, I wonder why. More protein crap in my house. But like if you, if you, for anybody that's for some reason adventured to my YouTube page and mm. like gone way back in my Instagram page, I used to do these things. I would set up my phone over here. This is when I didn't have a standing desk set up. And knowing that I would eat one every single day at the same time, I would just turn my phone on and I would do this weird, like talking to myself thing where I'm like, you know, talking about the brand because I'm fascinated by it. Like I love, yeah. that, that's my problem is I love the details of everything. I want to talk about the brand, the fonts that they use, the color palette choice, how they came up with the name, the macros, the taste, the texture. Mm -hmm. Like it is, to me, there's another encyclopedia worth of stuff that's in there. <laughs> right. So like, so, so then after a bit, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this protein bar, bar review things. And then TikTok comes out with the voiceover feature. And I had at a, at a friend's giving party a few years ago, I was experimenting with content with my friends. And I'm like, I got these two people together who are just like hilarious when they're sitting next to each other. And I just kept feeding them beer, right? Because again, if you've seen my content, you know that I, I'm obsessed with this local brewery and I love, I try everything. Every night, every night I literally crack open three or four beers just to take a sip of a couple of them. It's super wasteful, but like, you know, from a, these are the things that my dumbass, you know, uses disposable <laughs> income on because I want to. Right. Um, and like, that could be a whole nother thing. So at some point I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like there's this dynamic of the things that I put in my mouth and the things that I don't put in my mouth. And for a while, I kind of leaned on that as a, like, this is the way I see the world. It's either like sneakers and Supreme stuff and work tips and my house, because I'm a geek about home renovation as well. Those are the things and I was like trying to compartmentalize so that it would be easier for me to explain, like, this isn't just a super hot mess of stuff. Like mm -hmm. there's a method behind my madness. So there's the things you do not put in your mouth and there's the things you do put in your mouth. Protein bars, beer, popcorn. I'm addicted. I will try any popcorn that's under 40 calories a cup and, um, and sushi. Yeah. You have that sushi place, man. Every, every TikTok gets in there. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, it's a problem. I don't want to see my <laughs> annual sushi bills, but look, this is why for another person, like I work my ass off. So like, I don't, yeah. I don't own fancy cars. Like I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've just kind of got my, like my, my thing on kind of like a specific lockdown. Mm -hmm. And I, and so I really, I don't, I don't have one, unfortunately. I really don't have a content strategy, which I wish I did. I wish I was more specific and intentional, but at the same time, like I don't. So as you know, I, I don't know if you suffer from the same thing, but it's like, I have all these things that I want to talk about, mm -hmm. but at the same time, there's something in the back of your head. that's like, if you just have a clear blue sky, just start doing protein bar reviews again. Like, <laughs> is everyone just going to turn around and walk away? Right. And I do, I do try to lean on the fact that, you know, to something to what we were talking about earlier in regards to managing people and career stuff like that yeah. is where I can, for better or worse, that's where I can be most helpful. Mm -hmm. Like there, there, and there's so much bad career advice on TikTok. And I've really, really, really tried to bite my tongue for a long time about, you know, and I probably had God knows how many drafts of like, you know, the stitch where I'd oh, interrupt yeah. somebody having yeah. their sentence and be like, whatever yeah. you do, please do not do this. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just for the love of God, like even the ones that seemed totally innocuous of, you know, here's how, here's how to ask for a raise. I'm like, you're skipping so many steps before you're knocking on your boss's door. You're just, you're signing yourself up for a train wreck. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, again, super long winded answer, but like, I don't, I'm, I'm all over the map. I could do, I could probably do a full month of content and literally post something every day, three times a day, just on giving a tour of the stuff that's on the top of my bookcase here in my office. Yeah, it looks like you you really could. And I, I kind of love that answer, though, of there is no roadmap, because I was the same way. Like every podcast starter kit book video that I saw was find your niche and stick to that audience, because that's how you'll grow. Yeah. That, audi that audience will grow with you. That, that audience is defined. And for me, I was like, but then I have to talk about swimming for 
52 weeks a you know every week and mm-hmm. I was like I don't I love swimming I loved it and it was it was a big portion of my life but I can't do that yeah but this it's like I've talked to you know Emmy award winners executives athletes Olympians authors you name it but the overarching theme I guess of the podcast is let's not forget who the host is I'm just a normal guy with a lazy eye and like, if that's my overarching theme, so be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there, there definitely has to be at least like a, a constant. And for you right now, whether it's the voiceovers or something like, or it's just the fact that it's you, Tim, then that's the constant. It doesn't have yeah. to be constantly protein bars. Although I would love a, a, like a little, like if you had like a playlist in your TikTok of your protein bar content, I'd probably subscribe to that. <laughs> Cause oh, that, just seemed, that just seems so interesting. <laughs> That, that is a that is then a double dose of uh, inspiration. A to hear the acknowledgement that we we are our own niche, and it's something mm. that I that I firmly believe. But is it you need to you need to soak that in? But I think before you can become super comfortable with it, because that means being more of yourself, and that can be right. uncomfortable for people. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I have definitely, and I'm, that's another one that I'm sitting on that's been edited but not posted where i'm like i've got dude i have boxes of protein cereal that have been sitting on this cup my wife asked me every once in a while she's like you know first it was like hey it's been a few months and then it's been like it's been a year and now oh. honestly it's been almost like two years but i got this protein cereal online at some point i'm like i'm gonna talk about it like how do i not talk about it like it's right it's protein cereal like how does this not become something that i talk about like who doesn't who wouldn't want to at least have moderate, I shouldn't say who, but like, I'm be shocked if there aren't some people like, you know, I'm, I'd be interested in trying that, but I'm not going to buy a box, but if some other idiot bought a box and wants to tell me about it and I can digest it super quick and then move on, then sure. I'll, I'll listen to that idiot, you know, tell me about it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like cereal is, way. yeah. I feel like cereal is something that like the childhood in you or the child in you like never gets over. Like I love like magic spoon, amazing cereal. A bowl of frosted flakes. Oh, oh, I can give you the review if you'd like. <laughs> oh, I've 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 eaten it and I've had okay. my own I have super specific thoughts on it. Dude, it's way too much like Captain Crunch where that stuff is stuck in your teeth for it, like it is. hours afterwards. It Taste is. Taste is decent, texture mm. is decent. Mm. The first generation, because I've actually gone through two generations of their stuff now and still haven't like talked about it. Um, so I'm actually, this is a good test. So you can tell me if I'm spot on here or not, at least based okay. on what you've seen. So stuck in your teeth forever. Mm-hmm. Texture's great. Taste is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. The, there's, there, there's definitely a bit of a weird aftertaste. I have found that Subtle, like, yeah. the, I found that the frosted one, the ones that tried to not include too many different flavors are usually better like peanut butter and frosted i thought were the best mm. and like the fruity one i thought was meh and then the cinnamon one was like way too stick of gum kind of cinnamon versus like a true type of cinnamon but yeah anyway you just there there's there's my post on it i i agree with you 100 percent on pretty much all of your takes i would say i i was as a kid i was always a big mixer of cereal I always, for some reason, did the bed of frosted mini wheats to start. And then my choice of, and my, my parents never let me do like the sugary cereal. So it was like Smart Start, Raisin Bran Crunch, yeah, yeah. Honey Bunches of Oats. And that was my breakfast in the morning. But so I, I mixed the chocolate and peanut butter. And that was a dream. That was like my, the, the, the fat kid in me was, this is my Reese's Puffs. This, you know, like it's, and it's healthier. So perfect. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I can, I can relate to so much there. We could have an entire conversation, probably. We, we could do a whole cereal. part two of this podcast <laughs> because I, 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 instead of, instead of looking at them in layers, because I never layered, I'd look at them mm. in courses. So I would start mm. with a frosted mini wheats course, and then mm. maybe I would like put in kind of like the vegetables on the side, which would be like Goline or Goline Crunch or like one of those, you know. And then I'd want, then I need a little bit of cereal dessert, so that's like that's yeah. when I would throw in. Frosted flakes. Yeah, frosted flakes for me was like uh, cocoa pebbles or cocoa puffs, Mm. and then as I got older, I tried to translate that into whatever generic, moderately healthy chocolate cereal there there was out there, like a special K or something like that, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I love it. All right, so I have two questions for you, and these are probably two, maybe two of the hardest ones that you'll probably get today. 
So we touched on your TikTok and how you do a lot of voiceovers of those TikToks. But if, if there was a song to voice over the day in your life or a day in your life or the soundtrack to your life, you can pick an album too. But what would that song be? Oh, man, that is, you're right. That is, that is freaking impossible. But wait till um, I get to the last question. <laughs> so I would probably pick if I, so I'm going to go with the album. Mm. and i'm gonna pick the strokes is this it okay because i feel like that is a good middle ground between like from an age perspective that was like 2001 Mm. so i was you know early 20s and a lot was happening in the world then i was you know living in an apartment by myself for the first time in new york city there was like a whole scene around that time and they've just been a band that has meant a lot to me and that you kind of felt like you not grew up with, but matured with, so to speak. Yeah. And I felt like they were part of a wave of normal ish looking rock stars, like coming out of a wave of like over the top or Mm -hmm. like the grunge scene where they were just like, they were just other dudes that seemed Mm -hmm. kind of super relatable at face value, or at least like moderately relatable at face value. Like, Oh yeah, no, I could see myself hanging out with them. Like Pearl Jam was too old. Radiohead, super cool, love them. Like, OK Computer would be a very close second, but I would go, I would go The Strokes, Is This It? Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I've got something that's close to being done for YouTube, and partly because of just licensing agreement rights. Um, it's got nothing but classical music on it because there's, mm. there's one, there's a, there's a very specific piano track that is like always, always, always in my head. Yeah, And those are much easier to get, you know, you can spend 60 bucks and get somebody in Europe that recreated the song and actually own the rights to it. Um, But to answer your question, Strokes, is this it? I love it. I love it. And we have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests. I know we're running up here on time, but can't let you go without this one. Tim, if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title of it and why? Holy cow, you weren't kidding about the tough. Um, <laughs> you want to go back to the serial content? Would that be better? <laughs> um, I, I mean, look, I can, I can definitely, that, that's when I can geek out on. This is when I get far too cerebral about. Um, <laughs> autobiography. Um, everything that comes to mind, I'm like, oh my God, does that sound pretentious? Um, I'm going to, in the moment, I'm going to say the title would be Why Not. Okay. You know, I don't have like a super crazy story across the board, but like for the things that I've done and for like what I've chosen to do with my career, you know, for a lot of kids have been like, why not do it? Why not take that on? Why not wake right. up at four o'clock every single day to be able to do these things? Why not try to scale out TikTok content when you're already working 14, 16 hour days? You know, mm-hmm. why not buy a, house had been abandoned for 15 years and see if you either fail catastrophically and bringing it back to life or actually turn it into a home that you lived in so kind of be like yeah so why not yeah i love it i love it well tim this has been an absolute blast i really appreciate you coming on and having this conversation i've had a blast i hope you did too and we will i hope we can keep in touch and the next time you're in boston let me know and, and i can show you around my parts a little bit better <laughs> i would absolutely love that thank you so much for the invite like this is this has been this has been a lot of fun and uh, uh appreciate appreciate everything that you've brought to the table and um again thank you for reaching out that was super humble to get the invite and uh, i've had a lot of fun today thank you thank you i'll talk to you soon cheers brother So a big, big thank you to Tim Chiasano for coming on this week's podcast and sharing more about his journey, about some of the life lessons that he has learned throughout his career. His resume speaks for himself, but just being able to have this conversation with him and be able to get to that personable level that I felt that we got to. I mean, believe me when I say I don't think um, protein bars or uh, our cereal takes was on the docket of the questions that I wanted to ask, but it's exactly how I wanted that conversation to go. So again, big thank you to Tim for coming on this week's show. I'm going to leave links to all things Tim in the description of this week's podcast. I invite you to go check it out, and I invite you to take some of the life lessons that you learned in today's podcast and and use them in the world that you live in. 
Um, that does it for this week's episode. As always, feel free to follow us on Instagram at Normal Guy Lazy Eye. You could follow us on TikTok too at Normal Guy Lazy Eye. You're gonna find all the clips from your favorite interviews over there. Kind of get some more bonus content going here very soon. We do still have the wonderfully comfortable and breathable and amazing uh, Normal Guy Lazy Eye merchandise that is in the description over on our Instagram. You can click the link in the bio. That does it, I think, for all of my shameless plugs this week. Um, quick life update. If you are listening to this before Halloween, uh, you can find me, as I'm sure you've seen on my personal Instagram or from talking on this podcast so much about it, I will be running the Cape Cod Marathon. Uh, six months of training for this. It has all come down to this moment. I'm making it sound like a sports announcer uh, kind of real, but I'm really excited, and I just want to thank you guys for supporting me in this. If you've shot me over a DM uh, through my Thousand Mile Man Challenge, thank you so much. It's mean, it's meant the world to me, and I just can't thank you enough. This podcast, uh, my social content, really wouldn't be where it is today without the support of you guys. So, again, thank you guys so much, and I will see you all next week. Mm-hmm.